Does that make sense, Happy? Yeah. What does it make you think about? Like, it makes me think how I could, how I, like, how a globe earther would combat that laser test thing. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It doesn't have to be a laser. All right. Now we understand that light for a medium is going to wiggle and bend a little bit. We can observe this with like time lapse footage over a distance of water. Like um, we have a mean here or a gif, a skunk bay. It's an observation. All right. Over a distance of water to land masses. Some in the near ground, some in the mid ground, background. Now with time, the atmosphere changes and things undulate basically what it appears to do but ultimately the things are actually directly in front of us and depending on the atmosphere that we see the light through it's going to wiggle around a little bit to our observation so remember when you said earlier we must take perspective into account yep and we must also take in the atmosphere to it into account but it's easier to understand that the object we can or cannot see depending on the air clarity type moisture heat cold of the day it will change every observation as time it's time lapse footage demonstrate but the objects that we see are still directly in front of us it's much easier to understand that but you said the argument with lasers you can take light out of the equation completely in beam propagation signal propagation you know radar for example Things that beam signals from one place to another and then come back again. Now, this doesn't refract through the atmosphere because it's not light-based, right? It's a signal that's progressing through the environment at distance. Now, this is not going to be affected by the curve of the surface this is going over. It's just going to go direct. But ultimately, it's not going to start bending around corners either because it just goes out and spreads outward. Because that's what it does. And when you narrow the beam, obviously you narrow the angle and you can beam it anywhere. But ultimately, this type of technology has existed since the Second World War, when we start talking about radar, when we start talking about, like I said, beam propagation and military targeting systems don't rely on laser light, they rely on beam propagation. Now, these distances can go up to, I'm going to give you a conservative estimate of 10,000 miles. I know it's a little bit further. But ultimately, it's broken in half. It's, say, six to 8,000 miles to send the radar out, and then get a ping back. It's much easier to explain this on a flat surface. We have direct line of sight, and it is impossible on a curved surface to get a ping of an object 6,000 miles away where it should have descended by hundreds of miles of curvature and then get it back again. So this technology exists and it's prevalent now with militaries, but it's been around since the Second World War. So yeah, you can talk about light, but we use beams and signals and shit. Yeah, those types of things. There's a guy called Marconi, might ring a bell, communications expert, right? Can give you information that he sent signals over 10,000 miles. This was back in the early 1900s. Not possible on a curved surface. Now they say that they can bounce beams off. I honestly 
is at an altitude of about 70, 100 miles, something like that. Fine. And what? doesn't improve a curved surface. You can still hit things off of that, right? It's not a problem if it's there. But to have beam propagation off of a curved surface, especially when you're getting radar pings, it's not the way. Yeah, there's a, there's a microwave transmission that's 100 miles, and they, they have to be point to point. They can't. And microwave transmission for communications doesn't curve. It's a straight beam, like he was just explaining. It's a microwave transmission, and it has to travel in a straight line from dish to dish. And they've got some that are uh, – I know of one that, that you can look up, and it's 100 miles. It was a world record at the time. And uh, over 100 miles, that would be so far over the curve, there's no way you could hit the other ditch. There would be no communication. That's, that's kind of what, I don't know if that helped explain it, but that's exactly what he's talking about. These technologies are like microwave communications and and uh, radar communications. So if you want to try and see if there's a ship out there, you send a signal and it bounces back to you so you can see that there's something out there for, for military targeting. There's a... Um, technology back in the Second World War developed from the Second War, World War called the RAN. Probably not better today's GPS. Ground positioning system, global positioning system, whatever. It's on the floor, right? Now, this goes up to 1,600 miles from a mile, so a boat knows where it is. It's been around for over 80 years. It's not going to work and does not work on a curved surface. See, it's, it's interesting as well when, when I said earlier that we observe it, you know, we measure it like we have with the lasers. We don't practically use a curved surface, right? So this is demonstrated when we talk about when you send beams around, you know, microwaves has just been explained. TV um, antennas, you know, from the 40s, 50s and 60s, because that's predominantly what was going on before satellite fish. I love that one. Because that's still pointing at an aerial on the floor or an antenna on the floor. So, yeah, whatever. But ultimately, beam propagation across the Earth is only limited by the power and the type of beam, VHF, microwave, whatever it is. But ultimately, curved surface is going to interfere with that stuff. Topography interferes with that stuff. Mountains and shit, right? So the curved surface will be up as most definitely going to interfere with it. 